You know, when we set out to do these post-game shows, I said that we were going to do these shows win, lose, or draw. So we'd be here every week, no matter what. This was going into the first Brown season in probably my lifetime, where, or our lifetime, where we could put legitimate expectations on this team. And this is now four out of the six weeks we've done this show where I really don't want to do it. I don't want to do this show right now. Uh, welcome in, everybody, to the Deerfield Gridiron LOTL Browns postgame show. Uh, I'm Dan uh, from LOTL, and with me again is Steven Stefano. Steve? I'm here. <laughs> You're here. Steve and I were out at Game On in Lakewood watching the Browns game today. Uh, Got to tell you, when the game first started, I was feeling pretty good. I think we all were. It was a party atmosphere out in Lakewood this afternoon, and pretty much anywhere where if you were out watching the game at a bar or grill or at a tailgate or at a family gathering or whatever, it was probably a very festive atmosphere. Or at the, the stadium. Hour. Yeah. yeah. I mean, heck. Browns scored 20 points in the first 16 minutes of the game. Yep. It was a flying start for the Browns. They scored eight points, the remaining 44. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Um, and uh, we're going to get into talking about something that I don't like to blame on, but I'm, I might lose my temper during this episode. We're going to talk about how Steve and I both believe that the Browns were screwed out of this win today because of the officiating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was about as egregious as, as you can imagine. Um, again, we'll we'll go through it. Now, everybody everybody on uh, Twitter after the game and all that, yeah, some people are blaming the ref. Some people want to be, uh, you know, uh, keyboard uh, GMs and keyboard owners of this franchise and say, oh, we need to fire Freddie Kitchens and we need to bench Baker Mayfield and, and blah, 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 blah. First of all, yeah, okay. Baker Mayfield didn't play great today. He didn't. He wasn't great. He was behind on some throws. Um, the interception to Landry in the end zone was not a good throw at all. Um, but that that kid played his heart out today. He really did. You could see how much he was hurting come uh, from like the middle of the third quarter on. Right. Clearly, his left hip was was killing him. You could just see by the way he was limping. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to hear anybody say that that last interception was his fault. It absolutely wasn't. The running back just completely dropped it into the defender's hand. That's the second week in a row we've had a player do that. It's one of the most frustrating things, you know, aside from muffing a punt maybe, that I can think of in football. It's just yep. terrible. Speaking of punts, we got a punt blocked, which effectively got Seattle back into the game. I mean, Seattle only got three points off of that possession, but it did uh, further serve to basically get their sea legs under them and you know, get them back into it. And then, <clears throat> but what they really got hurt was near the end of the half, when, again, you just mentioned the Landry interception. Why were the Browns even throwing in that situation in the first place? It was second down and, I don't even know, it was like second down and eight or something. You had 135 left in the half. Seattle's down to one timeout. What in the world are you doing putting the ball in the air in that situation? I mean, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not looking to uh, fire Freddie, as uh, some people on Twitter are. But 
and I talked about it with you during the game, I've about had it with this uh, Freddie Kitchens being the head coach and the play caller both. They they need to pick they need to pick one thing for him to do. He cannot handle being the play caller and the head coach. He just can't. Yeah. He can't. Situationally, he doesn't know. This guy this guy doesn't know when it's good to run the ball. He doesn't know when it's good to throw the ball. The Browns. It was a situation that that we we kind of basically dissected. Was was where the Browns had second and two, and it was on Seattle's side of the field, and uh, they ended up going for it on fourth down. But to me. Second and two, you had the ball at the Seattle 22-yard line. Why not take a shot deep at the uh, at the end zone there? It, you know, they had decided beforehand it was going to be four-down territory. You have <coughs> three plays to get two yards. Why? Yeah, why not try to get it all in one play there? Yeah. And then, you know, they came out. They ran it on third down. They didn't get it, so, you know, they had to go for yeah. it on fourth down. The, the first and the third down calls made sense. The second down call did not make sense at all. Yeah. Then, well, I can't remember what happened on fourth down. It, it was the little pass out into the flat that uh, Chubb extended the ball and, and they got the first down by the nose of the football. Okay. That was a heck of a play by yeah. Chubb. But still, I mean, it's just situationally. And then, you know, down at uh, down at the goal line again, and like you pointed, you just pointed it out, and this is where I'm going to next, is uh, we go five wide when we're inside of the red zone. And Baker Mayfield forces a ball into Jarvis Landry into the end zone where there's three defenders around it. Why are we going five wide with no running back in the backfield when we're in the red zone? We have one of the top five running backs in the NFL this year. Nick Chubb, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that Nick Chubb is a top five running back in the NFL. How many times did you see Nick Chubb lose yardage on runs today? Not much. Unfortunately, it happened on one really big play toward the end of the game where he... There was no blocking on that play, to be honest. There but, was no way he was going to get the But, to be said, they, they scored a touchdown earlier in the game on, on, a, on a Nick Chubb run to the outside from about the 10-yard line. Why? why what are, I don't understand why this team is like allergic to run the ball in certain situations. Freddie Kitchens was a running backs coach. It doesn't make sense why they keep going empty backfield. In why the red are we zone? running five I, wide empty backfield in the red zone? And they actually they got lucky on on the play where Landry and and Landry scored. He reached the ball out. It went right into the basically the guys. Oh, don't nuts. get me started on this. And the guys, the defender for Seattle, his feet are in the end zone. Yes. So exactly how did Landry get it and knock it against the guy, which is against what the guy's knocked legs. the ball off? Yes. And yet he didn't break the play in the end zone? Right. And they even reviewed the play, and they still didn't give him the touchdown. Like, and, and, and the official at the top of the screen <sighs> signaled touchdown. Yeah, that's, he did. That, that's the it thing was that, his call to make. He's the, the judge on, yeah. the, on, the, on the one side on the pylon where Landry, you know, reached out. It just – this is just infuriating. And then they said, oh, because there was a fumble and it was on fourth down, we have to bring it back to the fourth down spot. Which is absolutely ridiculous, and then they don't they don't review it, and because of that ruling, they don't review it. So Freddie Kitchens has to throw a challenge to get them to review it because all scoring plays are reviewed, but technically, according to them, he didn't get in before he fumbled. Right. And you and the Browns recovered the ball in the end zone, but you can't you can't advance a ball, an offensive player you can't advance a ball on a fumble. Yes. It's, so it's kind of a vagary of the NFL rule book, but right? Yes. So that forces Freddie Kitchens to uh, throw a challenge flag, which 
the NFL, that, which the, the officials inexplicably did not overturn, which was ridiculous. But you could see you could see the middle part of the ball actually at the goal line. The rest of the ball was being blocked by the defender's leg. So you can't you couldn't technically see the uh, the ball over the goal line. But what, what do they think we are? Stupid. Calls got to be made on the field, and it's just like it should have been touchdown even before all the other stuff happened afterward. And and, and how, about the, uh, how about the how about the yeah you guys can't you guys can't hear me or see me right now, but the uh, air quote blindside block they called on Jarvis Landry, which is one of the worst calls I've ever seen. If, one of the worst calls. You know that that passing that non-pass interference call in the NFC Championship game last year gets all the pub because it's the NFC Championship game. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, that is a horrific call. But a horrific I don't call in a really horrific situation, right? For and sure. it was the NFC Championship game. This is just a regular yep. season game in October. But fact remains, if you're an NFL official and you're paid to be an NFL official, how in the world do you think you're in your right mind to throw a flag on that? By definition, it cannot be a blindside block if the, defender's the defender at is literally looking at the offensive player and is actually, the offensive player is, I don't remember if it was the offensive player or the defensive, but one of them is bracing, getting ready for the hit. That's, that, that, like, by definition, that, like by the dictionary, that is not a blindside block. You can see him brace for contact when Landry is about to block him. That's just ridiculous. So, so essentially, what the, what what the refs are saying is that Landry blocked him too hard. He legally blocked him too hard, so we have to call a penalty. It's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. You know, there was a high school game in California a few years ago. Just going to an anecdote here, where a linebacker or a tight end on the offense—I can't remember which—actually intentionally took a shot at the umpire toward toward the end of the game and. I was starting to wonder if Jarvis Landry was going to do something to get himself kicked out of the game after after those calls. I mean, I just oh my goodness. <sighs> well, uh, they uh, they said on the broadcast actually that Jarvis Landry was quoted on the sideline saying, you know, we're it's it's us against everybody. We're playing not only the Seahawks but we're playing the refs too. This and is- and more more so than anything else is the mentality of the fact that the rest of the game the Browns were going to be on edge on any call, and that that mentally takes them out of the game because they think that the refs are against them. You could clearly see it on the Browns' drive after they went ahead eight twenty-eight to twenty-five, because after you know they had once again first play Seahawks. What do they do? They try to pass. Browns defend it brilliantly, and they nearly get an interception on the on the near sideline actually on this play. Yeah, and we're all in there because the referees are talking. We're all wondering if they're going to throw intentional grounding on the play because did Wilson get out of the pocket? Or, you know, are they looking at did the defender make the diving interception along the sideline? No. They're conferring to see if it's freaking roughing the passer. Even though the defender didn't leave with the head, didn't hit him below the knees, didn't leave with the crown of the helmet, he, he put one hand around the front of his chest, the other hand... Like around his nameplate, maybe just a little bit below that, and takes him down. In what world is that intentional grounding, or not intentional? Ground, it, it, I can't even talk right now. In what uh, world is that the roughing the passer? Well, so I went to so I went to the bathroom when that happened, and was what was funny was, uh, 
I was in the bathroom and I heard a large roar. I thought like we had picked off the pass or whatever. I come out and I see a, I, I see the yellow flag box thing, and I and I walk over to you guys and I'm like, they, did they just call roughing the passer? And and you were like, you you were like dumbfounded. There was like, literally even, a time even, because we we had actually lost audio for just a little bit there in the fourth quarter where, you know, the they showed the referees and they showed players and then and then they went to back to play and the Seahawks were nearly at midfield. And yeah, nobody knew what the heck was going on for yeah. a minute there. Like, why is Seattle at the Browns forty or at, the, at their own forty-seven? They should be much further back. And right. that's when it dawned on us: oh, they called intentional. No, I keep saying intentional. <laughs> they they called roughing the passer. Uh, and then right after that, there was another penalty. So you had two penalties right off the start of the drive. And you could just tell the Browns' defense was playing so tentatively from yeah, then on. Absolutely. Because they were so worried that they were going to get flagged on virtually everything. Absolutely. And that's, that's the way... I mean, it was not a surprise that Seattle took the lead after that. It's just... Oh, and how about, uh, how about that... Uh, uh, another air quotes, you can't see me, but holding call on Greg Robinson when we got the ball back when we were down... Uh, 32 to 28, where Nick Chubb had an eight yard run on first down, yeah. where we thought it was going to be second and two. But no, we're going to throw a holding call and uh, it's going to back you up. It's going to be first and 20. Good run around the edge. And on this play, okay, if you want to get really super critical, Robinson reached around the defender's shoulder yeah, but briefly. But he didn't grab. He didn't grab and pull. And then, you know, pulled him back in after a split second afterward. And by then, Chubb was grounding the corner. Yeah. I mean, that's about as weak of a call as you're ever going to see holding good in the NFL, or really at any level of football, to be honest. And, I mean, and, at high school, they're not going to call that. And like, a lot, of, a lot of times, a lot of times on plays like that on the edge, you'll see the defensive end like kind of like 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 how NBA players do all the time when they get bumped, they embellish it, like they throw their arms up, like they're yeah. holder. The defensive end didn't do that. Nope, he didn't do that. Nope, and he didn't get taken to the ground. Mm-mm. And really, he wasn't going to make the play anyway. So. What are the refs doing? I don't understand. I really don't. I only have one interpretation. It's that they want Seattle to win. Yeah. I, I, well, I, just, I, I can't come to any other conclusion. I it's, mean, it's just you know, unbelievable. I'm not going to stoop to the level of saying that the, that the uh, refs like had money on the game or something. But my goodness. I mean, to miss that you many You start calls, wondering about stuff like that when you, when you have this many yeah. huge... There was badly a, missed calls on one team. There was I, an illegal just, contact called on the Browns on third down that that literally have no idea. They, they showed the replay, no idea where that where they like the the ref threw the flag into an area where there were no players. Was it actually the hands of the face call that they that they called yeah, on the far that side? It. That was it. Yeah, uh, there were two receivers lined up, uh, one in the slot and one out to the outside, and there was a brief bump on the outside receiver, and then he released, and that was when the flag was thrown, like. Again, on a key third down, it's like, I mean, we could go on on and on for hours about this. I oh, swear we're, to God. For, we're going to for a little bit longer because I'm going to get my pound of flash because that was one of the, that was news flash to those in uh, Park Avenue or wherever the hell the NFL offices are. That was one of the worst officiated games I have ever seen. We've not even gotten to the, ever. To the last one. Where Seattle needed to pick up one first down to end the game. Oh dear! And God. they throw a ball to the far side of the field, and it's initially caught, and TJ Carey rips it away from number fourteen on the Seahawks as he's going down. In in a 
league where they've stressed so often when you're going to the ground complete the you catch. have to complete like all the way the through your the, their motion their words the process of the catch and you got the side judge standing right there, like not more than five yards away from this and he manages to rule this a catch on the field now, because the Browns were in a position where they had to call timeouts, they had used their last two, their last timeout on the play previous, which unfortunately outside two minutes meant that Freddie Kitchens was unable to challenge that play. Yeah. But why should he have to challenge it in the first place? Right. That is a rule that has been debated, and there's been so many examples of this. You talk about the Des Bryant play in the playoffs against Green Bay one year. You talk about the... Play, I think it was between the Steelers and the Patriots where a guy apparently looked to have scored a touchdown and then they pulled it back out saying it was incomplete. Yeah. Like, it's like how what are, like what are what are they looking at? Or or better yet, what are they not looking at? They like, want they wanted to go home. That, that's they, that's they, exactly they, where they I was just, gonna go to next. They the the game the was already twenty five minutes past four. They, 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 just they, wanted they, were, the they were done. Yeah, maybe they got like, maybe they got buzzed in the NFL buzzed down from the NFL, like, okay, uh, we're into the four, four o'clock games now. You guys got to get this thing over. If I can sum this up, and, and Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield kind of hinted at this in postgame, four words, Cleveland against the world. Yeah. That's literally where we stand today, right now. That's it. Absolutely. And it's probably, I hate to say it, guys, it's not likely to get better in the, in the near future because we're going up against the NFL's cash cow, the New England Patriots, next. In New England. So, even though I'm Patriots fans swear that Roger Goodell hates their franchise, I, I'm not even going to go there. It, it's just yeah, whatever. not likely to get better anytime soon. I, I hate to say it. Oh man, yeah. I, my goodness. Uh, so yeah. So the Browns fall to two and four. Um, it really doesn't even make sense to go through the stats in this game because. You know, we're talking. We're talking right now about the actual reasons why the Browns lost the game, and to me, it comes down to two things: it's officiating, and it's Freddie Kitchens' situational play calling. I mean, obviously, you're not going to, uh, you know, you're not going to be critical of a coach for every single play that he calls. Um, the Browns, the Browns racked up a lot of offense, but situationally, on third downs in the red zone. The play calling, to be as nice as I can say, was left a lot to be desired. I just, I, I don't know. And to me, it goes back to I just, and I just think Freddie Kitchens is overwhelmed. I, I, I don't know if he can be a play caller and a head coach. And 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 why should I? I mean, you know, we're feeling good in the off season. We're feeling good about it. Yeah, Freddie Kitchens is going to be the coach. Blah blah blah. But if you actually sit down and analyze it, Freddie Kitchens has called plays in the NFL before the start of this year. We're going to go back to before the year started because the first six games have been, you know, what they have been. But Freddie Kitchens had called plays in the NFL for eight games, and he's never been a head coach on any level of football in in his coaching career. So what the Browns did was they made him both head coach and play caller. Do you think the Browns made the mistake not bringing back Greg Williams. No, because I I don't I I believe what Demarius Randall said that and he said this was it after the Jets game. He said that if the Browns uh, were to hire uh, Greg Williams, him and a number of players on the team were going to demand a trade. 
The players did not like Greg Williams. Hmm. And speaking speaking of Greg Williams, can we talk about how absolutely horrific the Browns' defense is? They I know were not good today. I know by that. I know that. Of the I know that. I know that they were not put in a lot of good situations with the blocked punt, with the turnovers that the Browns had. But my God, what's the, what's the what's the first thing you want in, in, a, in a good defense to be able to stop the run? Stop the run. How many yards did the did the Seahawks have rushing the ball today? Well, you know, you should ask. Chris Carson had 24 carries, 124 yards, and a touchdown. Russell Wilson carried it nine times. He had 31 yards. They racked up 170 yards total on the ground. So 170 yards. That that's that's bad for any normal game. Yep. Last week they gave up 275 yards rushing. I did the post game last week by myself, and I said that's you don't see that in the NFL. That's something you see in college when a good team is playing like, you know, we're from a Mac school, but let's just when like if Ohio State plays Miami of Ohio, you expect them to have 275 yards rushing. Pretty much. These NFL teams, yeah, we have really bad teams and really good teams. But truthfully, the amount of talent disparity is not enough to warrant you giving up 270 yards rushing. And then followed up by giving up almost 180 yards rushing at home. The Browns have given up over 400 yards rushing in the last two games. It's not like they defended the pass well today either. Yeah, I mean, how many open receivers were there today? Oh, every single, so every many. single. I don't, I don't think Russell Wilson threw a contested pass all game. Russell Wilson, twenty three of thirty three, two hundred ninety five yards, two touchdowns, no picks, one hundred seventeen passer rating. And I get it; it's hard to scheme against Russell Wilson because he's almost impossible to sack. And actually, the Browns had a few sacks today, but you know, if the play breaks down, he can get out of it. He can either float out to the left or the right or run it. And then you have to, you know, do the scramble drill because, you know, as an offense, they're taught to break off their routes if they see Russell Wilson getting out of the pocket and just finding an open area. You know, that's hard enough. But my God, I mean, act like you actually prepared for this. I mean, they were terrible. Terrible. The most puzzling thing about the Browns' defense today is that they were much better, and I mean much better, when they were defending short fields. Yeah. I don't know why. They only gave up three points out to the block punt. There was another possession in, in the second half where the Browns had turned it over, and Seattle ultimately didn't even score on that drive. The red, zone just, de- the red zone defense actually wasn't that bad. But, I mean, you had two situations where all you had to do was just slow them down a little bit. It was one on the drive right before the half. After the interception. And then the other time was what after you had gone ahead 28-25. Yeah. And we had already said, you know, penalties obviously hurt them very badly on that, that latter drive. But again, the one before half, I mean, Seattle just, I mean, pass, 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 pass. Touchdown. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. it was nothing. Yeah. That's unacceptable. you you got to be able to cover in those situations, especially when you know that they're going to pass. Yep. It was really bad, man. And you know what? It, you know what? It's we're uh, we're lamenting this loss so bad. Uh, this was a four-point loss against a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, the Seahawks are their Seahawks are uh, five and one now, mm-hmm. and look like probably are the favorite to come out of the NFC. I mean, they're either going to end up with the top seed or. 
maybe they'll end up fifth because who the right one of the other teams that they're battling well, in the NFC West. Well, the NFC playing, West is so strong. They play in the best division in football, but uh, so far this year. I mean, they're they're a lock to go to the postseason. I mean, I would have to say this is see, see as this much is, of a lock as you can say in mid October. See, this is this is what I'm talking about, and this is this is why it's got to be frustrating for uh, the Browns front office and ownership is. We're lamenting this loss so bad, where we where we lost by four points to a Super Bowl contender. Um, the talent is there. The Browns are as talented as pretty much any team in the NFL, but penalties, turnovers, play calling, all this stuff that can be relayed back to coaching is just killing this team. Yep, they're self destructing. Because they don't know how to handle situations. They don't know how to handle situational football. They can't do it. When the Browns scored to go up 28-25, I had absolutely no faith that they were going to slow down and stop the Seahawks. I I thought, okay, well, we're going to need another touchdown. Because there were still, what, eight minutes left when they went up 28-25? Yeah, it was seven, eight minutes, something like that. No faith. No, I mean not to mention that the NFL, the 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 officials officials uh, blatantly screwed us out of a touchdown. Yeah, I mean we lost by four and they screwed us out of. I don't care. I know we're not supposed to blame the refs, but my God, it, it, it's such an easy thing. You know, some aspects of NFL officiating can be legitimately difficult. The game moves so quickly; it's hard to see things in real speed. But whether or not the ball has broken the plane of the goal line. That is not hard. That is humili- and, and the fact that they reviewed that and still got it wrong is even more humiliating. Yeah. Ugh. Or uh, knowing what a blindside block is and what's a good legal hard block. Poor Jarvis Landry. Oh I, I, fe- I feel so bad for him. So, so, listen, so here, here's how Jarvis Landry's day, day went. He uh, made a really good hard hard nose football play. Got called for a penalty on it. Uh, had a touchdown taken away from him because Baker threw the ball so far behind him it was intercepted in the end zone. And then had a touchdown reception taken away from him when the NFL says, "Oh, we couldn't couldn't uh, a- accurately determine whether the ball crossed the plane." Bull crap. You got a camera right on the goal line on both ends of the stadium in every yeah, stadium here's another thing why didn't we see the, the pylon camera from the other uh, from the other side we kept seeing like this this angle from like the back of the end zone and then they finally gave us a pylon cam but it was from the other side of the end zone which the ball was being blocked by the guy's leg where's the near side pylon cam that would have clearly shown jarvis landry getting over the plane in the end zone fox did a very poor job of that in that whole sequence, it took so long to even get anything that was supposedly definitive. Like, it's almost like they wanted us to believe that there wasn't a, that camera didn't exist or something. I mean, it's oh, so I just, so frustrating. I just I I don't. I think what's making us even more upset is is the idea that we have almost a guaranteed loss coming our way next in New England. Like right. it feels like we're already two and five. Right, and, I think uh, that's just leading to everyone being so stressed right now. I know that, uh, and I know that he hasn't he hasn't played particularly well this year, and I, by all means, am not getting off the uh, bandwagon for Baker at all. But you know, he hasn't he hasn't played very well this year, and now it looks like he's got a legitimate injury. 
Yeah. I mean, thank God we don't play next week. And you just hope that uh, with two weeks, whatever's wrong with his hip, you know, he's able to get it right. Because good God, if we have to go an extended period of time with Garrett Gilbert as our quarterback. Yeah. You know, most hip injuries are not super serious. I know as an athlete, I played, I play soccer, I play basketball, I'm a distance runner. Usually it's something that you just kind of have to lay off of for, you know, right. four or five, seven days, see how it just turns around. I mean, unless if you've got something really severe like a hip flexor, I, mean, I think if he had that, he probably would have had to come out of the game. Yeah. So my guess is he's probably going to be fine unless there's something that we, we don't know about yeah. at this stage. But, uh, yeah, hopefully he's better in two weeks because, well, we, we're going to need everybody to be better in two weeks. Yep. Either that or they just might as well not even get on the plane for football. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I'll tell you what. Um, you never you never really want to see uh, players blame the officials because then it gets into your head, it gets into your psyche, and it really messes with how you play. But hopefully now the Browns really adopt this, you know, like you said, Cleveland against the world, you know, us against the world type mentality where they can just bunker down and, you know, feed off of – the fact that they truly believe that nobody wants to see them win. I mean, you see it with the national media. Everybody's piling on. Everybody's going to pile on this week. Everybody's, you know, going to say about, you know, how Baker sucks and he throws too many picks and, and Freddie Kitchens is in over his head. And we're saying that, but we're from Cleveland, and we watch this team every single snap, every single second of every single game. It's – hopefully this team – uh, takes this mentality of it's us against the world. And, uh, you know, I'm not giving any predictions on, on two weeks because, number one, it's two weeks away. And, number two, uh, I'm going to sound like a friggin' idiot if I'm going to try and tell anybody that the Browns are going to go into Foxborough and, and win a football game. But Tell you what, you want to turn around your season in one shot? There's your big chance well, to do it. Well, that's it. I mean, <laughs> that's it I right mean, there, I, man. Well, well, that's it because because then you you've won the game that you weren't supposed to win, and the rest and you look at the rest of the Browns' schedule and you're like, wow, you know, they're, we're going to climb right back into this thing. Yeah. Because, you know, we squandered an opportunity today, and now we're two games behind Baltimore. But as we talked about at the end of the game, who the hell has Baltimore played this year? There are wins this year. How many combined? The, uh, so they've beaten four teams. How many combined wins do those four teams have? Two. Yes, exactly. Arizona exactly. has a win. Pittsburgh has a win. Miami and Cincinnati do not. Pittsburgh has a win because they beat Cincinnati. Yes. So while we're pivoting to this, you know, what does this all mean? Bigger picture here. Um, here's your scoreboard for this week. Um, Patriots 35, Giants 14. Again, New England is undefeated. That's not really news to anybody. Um, they're, you know, that's what we got to go up against next. So you know, right. next next game up. Uh, Panthers 37, Buccaneers 26. It was a turnover fest for the Buccaneers today. Panthers looking a heck of a lot better than they did at the beginning of the season. They're now four and two. Um, and only a half game out of the division lead. Actually, now they're a game out of the division lead. We'll get down to that in a second. Saints, 13. Jaguars, 6. Um, as for mentioned, the Saints are now 5-1. and one. Uh, Jacksonville going the opposite direction. And they've had some teams in their division pick up some big wins recently. So they're, they're definitely on a downtrend. Texans, 31. Chiefs, 24. 
big time win for the Texans at Arrowhead today. Jordan's feeling good. That is massive. They're now four and two, and the Chiefs all of a sudden, who again, you know, shout two out Jordan, ago, big win. You know, we're four and zero, oh, and you're saying, well, you know, they're the other great team besides the Patriots. All of a sudden, they've now lost two in a row at home and are now four and two. Yeah, it's not looking so good for them all of a sudden. Right. I mean, their division is not good. Luckily for them, but I mean, you know, you know what's funny is. Uh, I don't know who they play this week, but if the Raiders win today, they're going to be tied for the lead in their division. Looking at the, they could have a like bye the Raiders week. have a bye this week. Yeah, so that would that's incredible if that happened if that were to happen. But anyway, in the toilet bowl game of the day, Redskins seventeen, Dolphins sixteen. This game actually ended with some dramatic play with the Dolphins. That was the to go final for score? A, yeah, electing oh, to go for the two-point conversion I, with six seconds left. They did not get it. Oh, God, I and, feel bad for and for the Dolphins. I really do. So Washington's off to the schneid now. Uh, probably the biggest statement game of the day, Vikings 38, Eagles 20. Minnesota just threw the ball all over the yard against the Eagles, banged up secondary, and they're now 4-2. On the season, Eagles are three and three, aren't they? Yes, they are. And they have a don't they? They have like a murderer's row schedule coming up. Oh, their schedule's tough. Yeah, yeah. All the NFC East teams. Um, I mean, NFC North, and I forget who they're up against on the uh, AFC East. You now, so I mean, Buffalo and New England are, are tough opponents for sure. Right. Uh, as you alluded to earlier, Ravens twenty three, Bengals seventeen. The Bengals were quite competitive in this game, but ultimately they were not able to give the Browns any help today. Uh, the Ravens go to four and two. The Bengals are still over, which I mean, <laughs> the Bengals play Miami later this year. That's that's going to be that's the another. toilet bowl game of the year when yeah. it happens. So, uh, looking at the four o'clock games, what's going on right now? The 49ers and the Rams are tied at seven. That's an important game out in the NFC West. If the Niners manage to win that game, they would stay undefeated. I think I think that that would be. <coughs> That would truly legitimize the Niners as a contender. Oh yeah, it I mean, I, I personally already think they are, but you know, you go out, you go to the, uh, you go to the Rams and you beat them in their house. I mean, the Rams are, the Rams are very much uh, a, a Jekyll and Hyde team in in the sense that they play so much better at home than they do on the road. Mm. Um, you know, if the Browns had played a decent game against them. Uh, in week three, they would have lost on the road against the Browns. But, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, Cardinals 20, Falcons 10. Boy, this, this, Dan this, Quinn, this, this Dan could be Quinn the end is, of the road for Dan yeah, Quinn. Dan Quinn is on his way to getting fired. This this is just a, a Category 5 disaster in Atlanta. Yeah. Wow, the Cardinals are now going to get their second win if they're, if they're able to win that one. Um, Broncos 6, Titans nothing. That one's just before the half. I can't believe we lost to the Titans. If... Denver wins, that'll be their second win, and don't look now. They might all of a sudden be back in the mix in the AFC West, despite being four games out after four Right, games. well, because yeah. the, Chief, <laughs> the Chiefs have wet the bed two weeks in a row. And, yeah, the Titans, they're just they're just an eh football team. I mean, maybe they do win today, but, I mean, that would just get them back to 500, I believe, so... Yeah, it, that, again, that week one loss, it's still hanging over our heads. Yep. It's... It, it may hang there all season for all we know. Yep. Lastly, perhaps the the shocker of the day is developing in the Meadowlands right now. The Jets 14, the Cowboys 3, oh right boy. before the half. Oh, boy. 
Well, you're going to have some Cowboys fans jump into whatever bridge is in Dallas if, if, if that score holds up. Might need up. to do a welfare check on Hannah. Wow. <laughs> Shout out, Hannah. Yeah. Um, it's not the way she probably wants to get shouted out. but They still got time to turn it around and win yeah, that game. I wouldn't yeah, put yeah. it past the Jets to blow that, but that's not good if you're the Cowboys. Right. That would mean they've gotten three points in the first half of the last two weeks. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Later tonight, the Steelers playing at the Chargers. Those are two teams that I'm sure NBC thought were going to be doing better at this point. Yeah, I will not be watching that game. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done with football today. Pretty good game of uh, Monday night, though. Packers hosting the Lions. Packers Surprisingly, are really Lions, good game. Lions 2-1-1. One one. i, I got to give it up to the Lions. I mean, they, they look a lot better than I thought they were going to this year. I mean, still early. They're only 2-1-1, one one, but... They look pretty good. You might have to call them a contender if they go into Lambeau and win. Oh, absolutely. For sure. So, yeah, that's where the where things are around the league. Uh, looking in more closely at the AFC North, I know we looked at this during the game. The Ravens actually have to go to Seattle next week, and then they actually have a visit from the Patriots. So chances are they're not going to be able to just run away from this, and God willing, if the Seahawks and the Patriots do what they're supposed to do, they're only going to be 4-4 four and four at the midway point. Maybe the Browns win in Denver and they're only a game behind at the midway. Yeah. At this point, that's what we got to hope for. Today really hurt bad, obviously. We still have, we still have that win in our pocket uh, in Baltimore. Yeah. That's the trump card. So, so at, at least until they come to uh, our place later in the year. Yeah. You just got to hope that when you get – if you can split the next two games – you're three and five. You just hope that Baltimore doesn't somehow pull one of these games out of their, you know what, and put you well, in a worse situation. It's that, and you gotta you gotta hope that once we get to the uh, quote unquote easier part of the schedule, that this team isn't fractured at that point. Because I right I, I, there there's there's enough big personalities and big egos in that locker room that I'm sure are plenty frustrated right now, and everybody has an opinion as to what's going wrong, and hopefully. You know, we talked about Freddie Kitchens earlier. Hopefully, he's able to keep this together because if this if this goes if this goes down, I'm telling you right now, if if you know the Browns don't turn this around, they I I didn't think this was within the realm of possibility uh, at what the season started. Uh, you know, there could be a lot of pressure on making a coaching change at the end of the year. If this thing fractures, at the very least, you would have to you'd have to take away play calling duties from Kitchens going to next season. Uh, to me, to me, I'm doing it. I'm doing it this week, going into the bye week. I absolutely. I just don't think he can handle it. Yeah. I just don't. I hate to bring this up too, but you look at when the Browns play at home next. It's November 10th against Buffalo. After that is Pittsburgh, and after that is Miami. Are we gonna have to wait all the way till then until the Browns actually win a game at home? <laughs> God. Uh, I mean, if the Browns were to lose to Pittsburgh at home to fall to zero and five at home, people would be running to the four eighty bridge. Well, season's up. I at, mean, that, <laughs> at that point, at that point, if you're if you're zero and five at home, yeah, you're going to be looking. You're you're going to be looking at the end of the year uh, at a coaching change. You can't lose. You can't go zero and five at home. You can't do it. They shouldn't be zero and three at home. No, they shouldn't. I mean, today, today we're lamenting the the officiating, but Freddie Freddie Kitchens and his decision making. You know, not even, not only 
Uh, clock management at the end of the first half when they didn't run the ball that down there and they threw the ball and threw an interception, which allowed too much time on the clock for Seattle to go right down the field against our poorest defense. Terrible. Uh, his situational play call. I mean, he, you know, I, the refs were horrible today. But in my opinion, he's just as much to blame uh, for the loss today as the officiating. I I loved Freddie Kitchens. I loved him calling plays last year. But, man, this guy is making it tough to uh, defend him right now. Yeah. 100%. He's not putting our players in the best position to succeed. And I'm sick and tired of him coming to every postgame interview saying, oh, I, I got to call better plays. I got to be better. I got to be. Then be better. You can't keep doing it's like it's insane it's like the definition of insanity is doing the same exact thing and expecting different results. It's not going to happen. You just need to do your job. He always talks about we have to do our job. Do your job. Uh, the play doesn't work unless 11 guys do their job. Well, he needs to step up and start doing his job. He needs to start calling better plays and not and not, you know, not doing it and then coming into the postgame show saying I need to call better plays. That's BS. Yeah. And his and his uh, and his and his chicken blank answer at the end of his uh, press conference saying, "I'm not going to comment about the officials." Well, why not? What are you going to get fined? Who cares? You make four million dollars a year. Is fifty thousand dollars really going to hurt you that much? You don't hear a lot of guys self-incriminate themselves as much as Freddie Kitchens does. Man. And don't get me wrong, I like Freddie. Man, I, I I don't think he's a bad football coach, but the guy's got to get it going, man. This isn't this isn't a clown show Hugh Jackson anymore. This team has talent to win. They need Freddie Kitchens to step up and lead the team. Probably don't want to hear this right now, but Hugh Jackson was still here this game wouldn't have been competitive. Not going to hang our hats on that, but, I mean. Well, yeah. But we're now at a stage where we're expecting to beat a Super Bowl contender on our home field. Yeah, this uh, that in of itself it shows where the team has come, but they've got a lot more work. You and I both have brought up the name Hugh Jackson in the last 30 seconds. It's time to end this episode. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't talk about Hugh Jackson. I mean, that, that's, for the, fa- the fact that I even brought it up is, is ridiculous. I can't believe I did that. Unbelievable. <laughs> I should be. I should find myself for that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, throw the flag on me. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have if I if I talk anymore, I'm gonna a I'm gonna start having a headache, and b I'm gonna give myself like a brain aneurysm or something. So we're gonna end it right there. Appreciate you guys for sticking out with us. Tough loss again today. Um, didn't expect these post game shows to go this way. I thought that. These would be a little bit more jubilant. But through six games, we had a crappy win against the Jets. Yeah, it's a win, but they look terrible. And then we had one of the best wins uh, the Browns have had in the last decade, uh, beating the Ravens in Baltimore the way they did. The this, rest of it has been utter crap. This sport has is so emotional, and I don't think we've seen any greater example of that than what we've seen in the last 24 hours. Yeah. 24 hours ago, you and I were both extremely jubilant yeah. with Bowling Green knocking off Toledo rather unexpectedly, winning, beating them for the first in the Battle of I-75 for the first time in a decade. Like We were over the moon, and we were just like, it was party time. Yeah. And now, 24 hours later, man, this is the pits. Yeah. I mean, this is like going from the top of the Millennium Force all the way to the bottom within yeah. 24 hours. 
Yep. So anyway, um, go appreciate Falcons, you, by the way. The, Isaac Zumba. Appreciate, yeah. Uh, Tuck Felito. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, thanks for checking out our post game show. Um, give us a rating, a like, a follow, a review, all that good stuff on um, any platform that you listen to our show on. Um, check out the LOTL social media at the LOTL podcast. Um, you can check out me at Daniel J. Ford. Uh, Steve has a Twitter account, but he never uses it. What's, what's your Twitter handle? Doesn't even know. Okay. <laughs> anyway, what's your, uh, what's your Instagram account? Uh, that's at Stefano Steven. Check him out on Instagram. All right. So for Steve, I'm Dan. Um, this has been the Deerfield Gridiron uh, Browns postgame show presented by LOTL. And speaking of LOTL, we will be back coming this week uh, with a new episode. Um, so be on the lookout for that and uh, check us out. So uh, Browns lose today to the Seattle Seahawks 32-28. to Fall to 2-4 and on the season. And go into the bye week um, having to get prepared for the defending Super Bowl and undefeated, the defending Super Bowl champion and undefeated New England Patriots. So, schedule um, makers finally did them a favor, gave them two weeks to prepare for New England. So, like I said, for Steve, I'm Dan, and we will catch you guys next time. Go Browns. Bye. Take care.